Well, I'm going to do a little audience participation this morning. So if you are married, I'm going to ask you to stand and stay standing if you're married. Very good. Now, if you have been married 10 years or more, continue to stand. So less than 10 years, sit down. If you've been married 20 years or more, continue to stand and the rest of you sit down. Wow. If you've been married 25, that silver anniversary or more, continue to stand. Still the great number. 30 years, continue to stand. 40 years, continue to stand. Wow. 50 years or more, continue to stand. 60 years or more? Way in the back. We applaud all of you. Incredible. What an incredible blessing. I was blessed in my own life. Uh, if my father had lived this last week, uh, two more days, they would have celebrated 64 years together, which was just an incredible blessing to all of us as kids. Well, as you can tell by the title today, Let No One Put Asunder, When a Marriage Fails, we are going to talk about divorce. So, to take you off the hook, if you're sitting there thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me, we're not going to talk about lying, so if you're somebody who lies, you can sit back and relax. We're not going to talk about somebody who gossips, so if you're somebody who says, you know, there's a lot of people saying this about things, you can sit back and relax. If you're somebody who just is unforgiving and cold and has that sin, we're not going to talk about that. Well, maybe a little. We're going to talk about divorce. So if you're smugly sitting there, again, as I said, thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me, I can easily go back and we can talk about the other things if you'd like. But I bring that point up to say we need to remember as we have said, we are going to unapologetically talk about what the Bible says. And the Bible says that divorce is wrong. But the Bible also says that all those other things I've just mentioned are wrong. They are all sin, and sin is equal. No matter what it is, no matter what you perceive is worse than yours or less than yours, sin is equal. It's all a breaking of God's law. And we come here into this place, into this church, equally as broken sinners, to receive the same blessing from our Lord, to receive grace and forgiveness at his hand. So I want you to know that if you are someone who is divorced, I am not taking aim at you today. What I am doing is looking at what the scriptures have to say, what our Lord has said, so that we can continue to uphold the word of God in all of its truth. Now I don't know if you know, but years ago before this idea of no-fault divorce came about, you used to have to go in front of a judge and say why it was that you wanted to get a divorce. There was a time that a woman did go in front of the judge and she wanted to divorce her husband. So the judge began to probe her with questions to find out the reason. She said, he said to her, well, ma'am, do you have any grounds? She said, well, yeah, we have about 10 acres. He shook his head. No, no ma'am, what, what I want to know is do you have some kind of grudge for this divorce? She said, no, but we have a really nice carport in the back of the house. No, ma'am, he shook his head. He said, what I want to know from you is, 
something is wrong. Does your husband beat you up? She said, no, I'm usually the first one up in the morning. Finally exasperated, he looked at her and said, ma'am, why is it that you want to divorce your husband? And she said, you know, I just can't have a decent conversation with that man. (laughs) Yeah, you need to think about it. (laughs) But in truth, we know divorce is no laughing matter. And we know that our worldview on divorce is not something to be lauded, to be looked at, or even to be an example for us. And it doesn't just happen in this generation. It happens throughout generations. I want to go back in history and give you a few quotes this morning. This is from the ancient Greece. Demosthenes makes this quote as he talks about marriage. We have courtesans for the sake of pleasure, concubines for the sake of daily cohabitation, and wives for the purpose of having children legitimately. Rome had a joke during its time that said marriage brings you only two happy days, the first and the last. And a quote some 46 years ago that people thought would never happen says the following, in the future, instead of a wedding until death do us part, couples will enter matrimony knowing from the start that the relationship is short-lived. And when the opportunity presents itself, they will marry again and again and again. And that's from Alvin Toffler in his book, Future Shock, The World View. But we don't come here to discuss the worldview. We come here to hear what the Word of God has to tell us. And so I invite you to open your connection because as we are liturgically celebrating transfiguration today, the message series is on the Gospel of Matthew, which you'll find in your connection, where Jesus says the following. And I'm just going to start at the section where some Pharisees came to him in Matthew. Some Pharisees came to test him. And they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another woman, commits adultery. Now, we need to look at something that's going on there. We need to understand the culture at the time. We need to understand why they're asking Jesus this question, what it is that Jesus is saying back about divorce. First and foremost, it says they came to test him. Now, people come to test Jesus, come to test other people. I mean, people do that to Pastor Mark and I. Sometimes they'll pose a question for this idea of a test, usually for two reasons, and that's the reasons that the Pharisees are asking Jesus. One is they want him 
to validate a judgment that they've already made, to see if he's on their side in their perception. And the other reason that they would test him is to give them then, if he is not on their side in their thinking, give them a legitimate reason to criticize him, to put him down as the Messiah, and eventually to put him to death. We need to understand what the practice was that they're really asking about in this day. When they use that word in the scripture that's translated divorce, it really means to send your wife away. And so they asked that question. But there were two rabbinical schools of thought in Jesus' day of how one should treat that separation. There was the conservative view that followed a rabbi by the name of Shami. And he had said that the only reason that you could ever separate from your wife was for unfaithfulness or for infertility. But there was another school of thought that came from Rabbi Hillel. And Rabbi Hillel had said that anything that made you doubt your wife's faithfulness, that could be something like she burned the toast at breakfast. She's not faithful to me. It could be something like the meal was late. She's not faithful to me. It could be even something to the point that you saw a woman who was more beautiful than your wife and she might be jealous of that and therefore she is unfaithful and you could divorce for that reason. Now the practices, the practice that Jesus talks about when they say, why then did Moses allow us to give a certificate of divorce to send our wives away? The two practices that followed those schools were this. There was in the one way that Moses had allowed a way of really giving mercy and giving rights to the woman that you would send away. And understand the context is in talking about divorcing a wife. You know, men had all the rights in this day. She did not. So he was the one who had to initiate it in this day and time. But what Moses allowed in this certificate was that if there was a separation, she still had rights to the property and the finances so that she would be taken care of. And so that's what they want to challenge. That's what they want to know. Where does Jesus stand on that? Because the other practice that took place in their day, which was more prevalent, which was what was happening, which was what Jesus was against, was more the worldview which meant you could simply say to your wife, for any of those reasons that I mentioned, I divorced thee, I divorced thee, I divorced thee, kick her out of the house. She had no rights. She was destitute. She was on the street and had no hope. So they're asking Jesus about that. They want to know what he thinks of those practices. But don't you love the way Jesus deals with them? He doesn't answer either of their questions initially. He goes back to say, in the beginning. He goes back to tell us this is God's plan. When he brought Adam and Eve together in the garden, when he joined them together as man and wife, the two became one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. But that's not enough for them. That's why they asked the question back. But Moses gave us this. And again, Jesus says those words to them. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But then he goes back again and says, but from the beginning, it was not this way. You see, even Jesus looks at the separation that is permitted in the law, the separation that would still grant rights to the wife. 
is a result of the hardness of our hearts. And then he goes on to say the only permissible reason that someone could divorce their wife is for sexual immorality. But we also need to understand that term. The Greek word there is porneia, which we get our word pornography from. But Greek also has tenses to words. And the tense of that word is a continuing action. It's not a one-time thing that was a horrible mistake that this person made. It is an action of someone going outside of the marriage and continually pursuing immorality. For that, Jesus says, we allow separation. And truly, as we look at the epistle for today in Paul's words, we see only two biblical grounds that allow divorce. It is for this continuous immorality or it is for the sake of what we would call abandonment. Now, abandonment can take on many faces. We talked about that a couple weeks ago when we talked about what unfaithfulness looks like. That unfaithfulness can be in many things. You can be unfaithful emotionally. You can be unfaithful in not taking care of someone. You can be unfaithful by never being present in the marriage. And in some cases, that is abandonment. But what I don't want someone to hear today, I don't want you to hear that I'm saying to you in all situations, especially if a situation is dangerous. And what I mean, if there is physical abuse to the spouse, physical abuse for the children, that you should in any situation stay in that. No, by all means, get out, get safe. But there are steps that the Bible gives us in a situation like that. And the first step in any of those things is once you have left is we call it separation, not divorce. Separation is a time of what we would call a reality check, a head check. It's something in order to bring the gravity of the situation to the parties involved. So that they can, one, if it's somebody who is abusive, can get help, get counseling, work on a path to come back, and to be reconciled, as Paul says. Because that's always the hope in any situation, that there would be healing and reconciliation. That is the same thing that is true for us in the church of the bride of Christ. If ever it is used to have the ceremony of excommunication, to separate someone from the church and the means of God, it is because we simply want them to realize the gravity of the sin and the situation that they're in so that they can repent, so they can come back and be restored. And I have to tell you, if you've ever looked at any of those rites, the rite then after excommunication of reconciliation is the most incredible, grace-filled, forgiving thing that you have ever read in your life to restore someone who has come back. Reconciliation is always the goal in any of our relationships. Reconciliation because we know we have been reconciled. We know what the Scripture says. The Scripture is against divorce. And I guess what I would say is any of the reasons that we hear nowadays in our world, any of these no-fault ideas of, I'm not happy, I'm not fulfilled, we've drifted apart, we no longer love each other, it's just not working out. Any of those reasons is a load of garbage to get divorced, especially in a Christian marriage. Marriage above all, is hard, hard work. And maybe we've done a disservice in 
our lives sometimes, as Pastor Mark said last week, that we've allowed people who are getting married to think that it is just a fairy tale, that it's always a picture-perfect relationship. But I would ask any of you who stood for over 40 years or 30 years or 25, any of those, maybe even five years, one year, to tell me, is marriage just always a bed of roses? And I would say the answer is no. Nor is any relationship that we have in this life, any relationship with another person. Why? Because we know we are all broken and sinful. We are all people who because of Adam's sin are turned inward and selfish and it rears its head again and again in our relationships and we forget to look outward at the other person and to love and to cherish them. Marriage takes work and when marriages suffer, what we need to do is find a way to work on it, to fix it, to get it tuned up. I can't tell you how many times Pastor Mark will say the same thing. That when people come for, to see us about a marriage that's suffering and we suggest to them that they get counseling, how many times people will go, no, that's not an option. I'm not interested in counseling. They've already made up their mind. And I thought about it in terms of maybe something in your house, something of value that we all have, we've been blessed with. If, for instance, your furnace stops working one day, are you likely then to say to your spouse, well, let's just sell the house? I mean, that's ludicrous. None of us would do that. We'd find someone to fix the problem. The same thing is true in our marriages. We don't abandon the situation because there's a problem. We seek for ways to fix and to reconcile and to make it better. It's not an instant process. It takes time. And it takes willingness on either part. And like I said, sometimes it takes that shock value of a separation to bring the gravity to light to the other person that they realize that they're risking the relationship. But that is always the goal in our marriages. The goal of reconciliation, the goal of forgiveness, the goal of love, and the commitment that we make. You know, I say again and again when I perform a marriage to the couple and to those standing on either side, those in the wedding party. They are people that have been given a special place in their lives, a place where they are the ones who are witnessing the commitment that's being made. And what's important is that we re realize in a community where we are bound together, in a community with friends and people around us, that they are somebody else who needs to be in our relationship to say to us when we are straying, when we are straining at the bit, when things are wrong, you made a commitment. You need to remember the words that you promised that day and you need to get this situation fixed. You know, Sarah and I, when we got married made the promise to each other that we would never talk about what we call the D word. It's off the table. Now that doesn't mean we haven't discussed the untimely and unnatural death of each other since God has brought us together and only death will separate us. But we put that off the table. It's not a word in our fighting, in our arguments that we will ever bring up. We will stick together no matter how hard it is. We are committed and I have to tell you if you are married, if you are thinking about marriage, if it's something, realize that some days that is the only thing 
that holds you together when the situation goes awry. That you made a commitment, that you will stick to this, that you will be good to your word. Now again, I'm not talking about situations that I mentioned where it's dangerous and it's violent and that needs to be fixed. But so often we give up on marriages at just a whim because things aren't working out when we need to value this human relationship above all others. And here again, the words that Jesus spoke to us. That the plan was at the beginning we would stay together until the Lord decides to call one of us home and separate that union. What an incredible blessing a marriage is. What an incredible amount of work it is. And I would say this above all else. As it is in a marriage, the most important thing that we can bring to it is the unconditional forgiveness that we have been given by our Lord and Savior. I started by talking about all the different sins that we have and how everyone is met with the forgiveness that Jesus Christ brings to us. And so he brings that again and again into our relationships. He doesn't ask us, didn't you do this last week? Didn't you do this the week before? He wipes away our sin and gives us forgiveness and tells us we are loved. And because we are loved that way and forgiven by him, we too can extend that same forgiveness and our relationships. It's a blessing that we have. It's a strength and an anchor that we have to be built on that sure and certain foundation. We need to understand that no matter how bad it gets, we are forgiven, so we also can bring forgiveness. True in our community, true in our relationships, true in our marriages. May we value what God has given us. May we value this relationship that he planned from the beginning would never separate. May we seek ways when that relationship is strained to bring forgiveness and love, to bring somebody in to help us maneuver those stormy waters, that we could stay together, that we could be faithful to that commitment, that we could hold to the very thing that God intended for us to love and to cherish for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death separates us. By God's grace, amen.